Muckspout and Bonfire Press present Chronicles of the Essence Guard, Children of the Essence, by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino. Read by Michael Goodrick. A Killer on the Loose. The ringing noise in her ears, droplets of tears forming at the edges of her eyes, mouth agape in surprise, and a mind that was worried with questions. And despite being unsure how to handle the situation, young Celeste's body reacted without any consideration as to how to proceed. She caught Aelin's frail body and leaned against the cold stone of the temple wall, using it to help her brace herself. She bit her lips softly as she held the man's still form upright. Gathering her courage, she slowly released her teeth from their grip and breathed out the only thing she could think to say. Aelin, are you okay? The elder coughed some. The feeling of his body moving was a welcome one, though his response brought her straight back to the situation. I am not. She slowly turned him and leaned Aelin against the wall so she could get a better look at it. Blood dripped down his chin and onto his tan button-up shirt. He looked like an ancient Spanish Indiana Jones in the shirt and his dungarees, save for the black blazer he wore over the shirt. He attempted a weak smile, but Celeste wasn't going to believe he was anywhere near content with the current situation. You are in great danger, child, he started, attempting to steady his breath, albeit unsuccessful. Babak, the man coughed up more blood, this time much more violently than previously. Celeste dabbed his lips with her green cloak. She shook her head as she began to scan the rest of his body for any sign of the wound he had received from his attacker. It didn't take long to see the growing spot of blood just above his pants. She reached to separate the sliced cloth of his cut, when Aylin gently pushed her hand aside. It's much too late for that, my dear. You have more important matters to attend to than this old man. He took a long swallow and met Celeste's gaze. The Essence Guard needs you. The young woman momentarily forgot the dire circumstances she was in. The Essence Guard? Really? What could I possibly do for them? For you? The octogenarian Argentinian smiled softly. Much, I'm afraid. Your mother and uncle must be warned. And then they need to go to the temple in Mauritania. They must protect Sabic from his father. Please give them this message. Hurry. Stammering, Celeste tried to understand what was being asked of her, but there were far too many things he was mentioning that she simply couldn't wrap her head around. Mauritanian? Sabic? What do you mean? How does this matter now? You're dying. She pleaded, placing a hand wrapped in the sleeve of her robe on his wound. Aelin grunted through the pain and breathed out long and hard, his eyes watery. He shook his head and tried to push her hand away again this time unable to summon the strength to stop her. That man, the one who attacked me, he swallowed and continued. His name is Babak. He is unstuck from time and attempting to hunt down his son. He cannot be allowed to find the child. Please, tell Florence and Andrew. They will be able to help. No, she insisted. I can't let you die here. Let me help you, save you. We can figure this out, all of us, together, once you're better. The man bit down and pulled a sheathed knife from his pocket. He handed it to the young woman. She stared at it, 
completely unsure how to proceed. Here she was, trying to save his life, and he was passing her a blade. Was he expecting her to operate on him? She had already seen more blood in the past 24 hours than she had seen in her life, and now she might have to cut this poor man on top of all of it? You... you want me to perform surgery with this or something? She stammered, nose wrinkled and not at all feeling confident in any medical skills that might be required. The elder man chuckled, coughing up more blood as he did so. He shook his head and pushed the knife into her hands, loosening his grip on it. Not at all, child. This is a weapon of great power, much like your grandfather's walking stick. Please take good care of it. Staring down at the sheathed knife, Celeste felt some tiny semblance of understanding infiltrator. He knew he was dying, knew he had very little time left. He was bequeathing her with something important to him before he could no longer offer anything more to the cause. She immediately fought this understanding, though, wanting nothing more than to forget the entire concept of death. No, she could save him. The Essence Guard were heroes, and if she was in any semblance a member of that guard, or of its legacy, she couldn't let the man die here alone. I will take great care of it, she said, slipping it into her robes, just like I will take great care of you. You won't be dying on me today, Island. She offered him a sweet, strong smile. Island placed a hand upon her cheek and offered her a similar beam of strength in return. Thank you, Celeste. Could you give me space for a moment? I need to breathe before we continue. The young woman obediently stood up and stepped back a few paces. She looked down at the old man, awaiting his instructions. In Mauritanian, Babak will not find what he seeks, but he will be closer to the information he needs to track down his lost child. You must stop him before he finds his son. Please, promise me. Celeste nodded and took a step forward. Of course, I promise, but you are no longer your concern. Aylin nuttered, before pulling a glowing green coin from his pocket and disappearing with a whipping of wind into the ether. Aylin, no! She screamed, dashing to the spot he had been seated and immediately feeling her head strike the stone wall he had previously been leaning against. Tears ran heavy down her cheeks as she covered the scrape on her forehead. She could feel herself losing the last remaining bit of calm she felt she might ever have. If ever there was a moment to break down, she couldn't imagine a better one. Of course, there had been many recently. Being trapped in Greece without any way to return home, feeling herself pulled by the power of magic while she tried not to lose a family heirloom she had stolen from her mother. Yes, there had been lots of reasons to break down recently. And yet, somehow, she had managed to find something within her that would keep her going, allow her to continue on. Celeste slowly started to take control of herself. Tears stopped flowing, her breathing slowed, and she slowly stood up. Aylin was gone, and she could only assume that he was beyond her assistance. That thought brought her close to a relapse, her body visibly shaking. Grasping the stone wall with an open hand, the young woman breathed in slowly and let the anxiety of her predicament slowly flow out of her. <sighs> She couldn't tell how much time had passed since her meeting with Island and the stranger, but she knew staying in one place probably wasn't the best idea. 
Gathering as much courage as she could muster, Celeste pulled her hood up and tried her very best to wrinkle the robes up enough so as to hide the bloodstains. She slowly ascended the stairs, only to have the door burst open before she could reach it. What are you doing here? The first green-robed zealot asked, as the remaining few began to slowly descend the stairs toward her. Andrew Edmund reached for his now elder sister's hand. Crying out her daughter's name shortly after a gunshot had rung through the halls of the ancient temple had garnered the attention of all in the crowded room. Demos stared at the two silently, his eyes narrowing and his lips turning into a slight frown. The leader of the would-be cult slipped his hands into his robes, never once taking his eyes from Flo and Andrew. Grasping her hand and holding it tightly, Andrew gritted his teeth, and the two were gone with a whipping of wind, sending hoods and robes flapping about. Demos pulled out an amber-colored stone a moment too late and breathed out an angry sigh. Find him, and find Celeste, the young woman they're seeking. They are with the Essence Guard, and they seek to keep us from protecting the children of Adoryelon. The brother and sister duo found themselves in an empty hallway, some distance from where they had been listening to the strange tales of Demos. I'm so sorry, Florence uttered quickly, pleading with her eyes for her brother's forgiveness. He offered her a soft smile in return. It was instinct, I get it. All that matters now is finding her and getting out of here. Andrew spotted a statue he had seen earlier and headed towards it. Using it as a landmark of sorts, he could better navigate through the tunnels and hopefully find some sort of clues as to where his niece was. I still think this would be a whole lot easier if the whole family was around. Fine, I've taken up the mantle of leadership for the family, but Rick is no slouch. He could be helping us at this very moment. The young leader of the Edmund clan hadn't been explained why only he had been asked to come along and why Flo had refused and resisted bringing along their youngest brother. Flo shook her head and continued searching the corridors with her eyes, not making a motion towards Andrew in any way. It would have been a bad idea. Besides, it's too late to go back anyways. She was short with him, considerably shorter than she would wish she had been when looking back on this day and her adventure with her now deceased brother. For the moment, though, her attention, worry, and anxiety were all directed towards her missing daughter, who, for all she knew, could be in grave danger, or much much worse. Okay, but can't you at least tell me why we couldn't have brought Rick along? The insistence in his voice was obvious. Andrew Edmund hated being kept in the dark. As the oldest, he had been allowed into the family discussions and secrets before the others. He was much more used to keeping secrets and learning them than he was to having them kept from him. Flo halted abruptly and glared at her brother. Andrew was surprised by the older woman's stare. He prepared to ask her what he said that could have possibly angered her so, but he found himself hesitating and then stopping altogether before doing so. The silence between the two was deep. Andrew nodded and swallowed, and Florence turned and continued on her way. I'm sorry, sis. You're right. I'm not used to someone else knowing more about the future than I do. Whatever it is, whatever kept you from including Rick, I'm sorry you had to deal with it. I'm so sorry you have to suffer that pain in silence now. He breathed in and sighed anew. Truly, I know what it's like to have to hide important things from those you love. Flo's worry for her daughter 
outweighed her need to reassure her brother, so she continued her stride down the hall. But that didn't stop her from reaching back and grasping for his hand. Andrew smiled down at his sister's aged skin for a moment. Love you too, sis, he mumbled, before loosening himself from her tender grip and striding to match pace with her. As they turned a corner, they were immediately spotted by a trio of similarly robed figures. The member walking in front of the two placed a hand in the air. You two, he called out. Who are you? Remove your hoods. Flo suddenly moved her hands to her hood, hoping her brother had thought of something. As if reading her mind, the currently younger Edmund brother stepped in front of her and raised a hand. It's okay. We're looking for the interlopers as well. No need for violence. The leader pulled a machete out from underneath his robes and pointed it at Andrew threateningly. Not another step. We have to check everyone. Flo had stopped completely frozen by this point, but her brother seemed much less intimidated by both the man and the situation. Continuing his steps forward, Andrew responded with, Of course, not a problem at all, friend. Before anyone could respond, the air whipped up around him and Andrew vanished. Flo knew exactly what had happened, but she was still nonetheless surprised. Had he left her to fend for herself? No, she reassured herself. There was no way he would ever do such a thing. The three figures were surprised by Andrew's disappearance, but that didn't stop the leader from continuing forward. His blade now pointed directly at Flo. Don't you dare move. I don't know what happened to your friend, but it's obvious you're the two we're searching for. Get on your knees and put your hands behind your head. The elder woman did as she was told as the man continued forward. She dropped her head, not wanting to give him any reason to attack or think that she was a problem, all the while wondering what she could do to get out of this one. She heard some clattered movements further down the hallway but remained still. She could just barely make out the toes of her oppressor's black boots. You two, get over here and help me tie this one up. We'll track down the coward when she's taken care of. Coward? Sticks and stones, my friend, rang out Andrew's voice from further down the hall. Flo could see the man in front of her turn around and knew this was her one chance. Leaning back, she kicked her right leg out, connecting with the man's ankle and knocking him off balance. Andrew swept in swiftly, striking the robed figure with their father's walking stick. An audible creak could be heard as Florence stood up, wincing slightly as she did so. Andrew regarded his sister with a raised eyebrow and a sideways grin. Flo shook her head in annoyance. Don't say a word, she muttered as she finally spotted the remaining two figures spread out further down the hall, most likely laying low by a surprise attack from Andrew. I'm just saying, you didn't have to attack the guy. I had it under control, he said as the two proceeded further into the temple. She pushed him sideways away from her and continued forward. I'm not your damsel in distress, Drew, she said with only the tiniest hint of annoyance. He held up his hands and chuckled. Hey, I wasn't saying that because you're a woman. You've always been one of the toughest people I know. I said it because you're, well, not young. Hey, just because my body sounds like breakfast cereal doesn't mean I'm old, alright? The two chuckled and continued on their way. There would be several stops along the way to keep from being discovered, but the two were able to navigate the interior of the temple well enough until they found an open door with a group of fanatics making their way inwards. A considerably shorter figure stepped out a moment later and closed the door behind them, leaning back against the stone wall and breathing out loudly. 
Flo would recognize that sigh anywhere. Celeste, she uttered, taking a step forward and speaking a little lower than Andrew felt comfortable with. He held up his arm to stop her as the figure darted her head in their direction. Mom? Mom! She said, dashing towards the two and smothering her mother in a hug that was considerably stronger than the older woman had expected. The mother could feel the soft quaking of the girl's body as she began to sob audibly. Andrew looked on with worry, while also scanning the hallway from time to time to see if anyone else was approaching. Oh dear girl, you're okay. We're here now. It's okay. The young woman shook her head and stepped back, fat tears rolling down her cinnamon-colored skin. No, we're not okay at all, she choked out. Island. She couldn't quite finish it. Flo's skin drained of all color as she regarded her daughter, fearful of the next words that would be uttered. He's dead, Celeste croaked, falling once more into her mother's arms. Flo and Andrew stared at each other, sharing thoughts as only siblings could. They had seen very little of Aylin over their lives, but in so many ways, he was like family to them. Their father's stories of the two sharing adventures together, his few visits over the years, and his assistance when their father had passed away, put him in a similar circle as Barnabas. Holding back their own mourning, the two breathed out slowly together, mouthing a silent conversation that they had to get out as quickly as they possibly could. Andrew wrapped his arms around the two and whispered to them, Hold on. The air sucked in around them, and the three were now standing in what looked like an office of sorts, though still within the stone walls of the temple. Andrew breathed out and walked over to the door, locking it so no one could intrude. We were alone. I think we should take a minute to gather ourselves and then find a way out of here. Flo nodded in agreement to her brother's statement, while Celeste turned to walk over to the small wooden desk with the folding chair, standing up leaning against it. Holy shit, what is this place? Celeste breathed out, turning her back to the desk and shaking her head in disgust. Watch your mouth, Flo started before spotting a pair of cowboy boots poking out from behind the desk. She nudged her brother, who stepped in front of the women, and walked over to examine the body. Andrew took a moment to check the man's pulse, and then examined him some before stepping back out from behind the desk. He didn't make it. Looks like he was stabbed. The firstborn Edmund child picked up a picture frame from the desk and scanned it for a moment. He turned it toward the ladies to reveal a man, grinning, holding a mahogany-handled knife out proudly. He wore a black cowboy hat and had a ginger-colored goatee with strands of gray peeking through. Too bad. He seems like a nice enough guy. Celeste snatched the picture and stared at it, mouth agape. That's Master Kevin, the leader of these weirdos. And that's... that's the knife that was used to kill Aylin, she said with a gasp. Flo put a comforting hand on her daughter's shoulder. It's okay, honey. I know this is a lot this man was into some dangerous things. She didn't know quite how to comfort someone in a moment like this, but trying was certainly the first step. No, it's not that, uttered Celeste in shock. I was separated from Andres when Master Kevin took him for some personal work. Whoever killed Kevin and Aylin must also have Andres. Theme music by Carol Cockrell.